right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Glad you're with us. Uh, wow. This just breaking Wall Street Journal. Um, literally moments ago, I, I picked this up. Headline, Governor Cuomo's administration hires criminal defense lawyer, uh, retains veteran white collar defense lawyer, guy by the name of Elkin. Uh, how do you say his last name? Abramowitz. I don't know how to say it. Amid probes. What, you, go ahead. You can say it on there. Abramowitz. Ibramowitz, okay. Uh, Elkin, well, if he's well-known, how come I've never heard of his name before? I guess, anyway, anyway, amid probes into harassment and the COVID-19 nursing home deaths. Wow. Now, I think a lot of this is because the AG in New York was the first one to bring up the whole issue of they were actually, remember, we had the whistleblower saying, yeah, we didn't want to tell you the truth about nursing home deaths because we uh, we didn't want to have to we weren't didn't want to turn these numbers over to the Department of Justice. <laughs> they they were conducting an investigation. Oh, what do you call that? Well, it sounds a lot like Hillary and emails to me. Uh, so that that's bad in and of itself. The fact that um, Cuomo does not apologize. He he now is oh it's just a joke, just a joke. It's not really that bad and. You know, the governor's excuse saying on Sunday he tried to explain away these allegations now of sexual harassment, female staffers as jokes misinterpreted as unwanted flirtation. He agreed to let the state attorney general appoint an outside investigator to look into the growing scandal there. Uh, And at work, sometimes I think I'm I'm just being playful and make jokes that I think are funny, he said in a statement. I do on occasion tease people in what I think is a good-natured way, I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of the things I have said have been misinterpreted as unwanted flirtation to the extent anyone felt that way. I am truly sorry about that. That statement came a day after. Now another woman has come forward, a former staffer, alleging to the New York Times that the governor last year made a series of inappropriate remarks and left her convinced, quote, that he wanted to sleep with her. And that claim came less than a week after another woman, Lindsay Boylan, alleged that Cuomo kissed her on the lips without warning and suggested that they spend the flight playing strip poker. While copying to remarks that may have uh, crossed the line, Cuomo on Sunday again denied going any further to be clear i never inappropriately touched anyone anyway so this is now spiraling out of control for him look i'll tell you where this is going there was a 2013 albany corruption scandal if you work in albany new york let me tell you something and you're there's no state capital i promise you they're amateurs in every other state sacramento amateurs albany every single top either senate or assembly leader ends up getting indicted. Every single one of them. I've never seen corruption everywhere, even locally. I refuse to talk to any politicians in New York anymore. I don't want to talk to any of them. I mean, it's so bad. And the fascinating thing, the bullying charge is coming from the Democrats. These these whistleblowers are all staff people of his. Everything from the nursing home scandal to now the sexual harassment issue. Now, in 2013, they had a Moreland commission that was going to root out malfeasance in Albany. And then the commission issued a subpoena to one of the media buying firms the governor himself used. The governor made a call. The subpoena was withdrawn and the commission was soon shut down. 
because it began the investigation into him. So he's now got real problems here. The reporter, then you got this other story, a, a reporter who says Cuomo intimidated and bullied her, broke down. This has to do with a, a, a separate case uh, that goes back a little while now. A woman in this, there's a guy in New York by the name Assemblyman Sam Hoyt, and he told the Assembly Ethics Guidance Committee that she was an intern in the spring of 2003. They had a sexual relationship, et cetera, et cetera. The woman, 23 at the time, whose name is being withheld. Anyway, long story on that one is that when a reporter asked about it and and he really went harsh at her. We'll play that later in the program. I won't play it now. Now, first it was AOC, the real Speaker of the House, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, and then Speaker in name only Nancy Pelosi. Finally, yesterday, I kept saying, "Where where's the I Believer caucus? Well, they've been the silence has been deafening, especially in light of all the I believers in the Kavanaugh case. I'm just staying consistent as I always am on on these things. Okay, there's something called due process and there's something called presumption of innocence. I'm not changing who I am just because it's politically advantageous because I don't like Democrats or I disagree with Democrats vehemently. You know, if you're going to be you got to be intellectually honest, independent and consistent. It's like I can't stand a lot of Republicans for being weak and feckless and visionless and just useless. But that's a separate issue. I'm a conservative. Anyway, so the women now have come forward with serious, credible charges against Cuomo. They deserve to be heard and treated with dignity. Pelosi in a statement. Kirsten Gillibrand saying in an email that there should be an independent investigation. But the attorney general of New York is probably going the hardest after Cuomo on all of these issues. There is a sexual harassment group in New York and um, literally calling on Cuomo now to resign. And anyway, New York State has lost talents and ambition of another woman whose safety and integrity were eliminated to serve a powerful man's desires. Andrew Cuomo must resign now, the sexual harassment working group said in a statement after the second woman they, I really don't like to give out names, to be honest, but they're all over the place. Charlotte Bennett accused the governor of behaving inappropriately toward her last year. And she told The New York Times on the record, that's why her name is out there. She revealed her own history of assault to Cuomo. And Bennett claimed the reaction was something out of a horror movie. And Cuomo allegedly kept repeating about you were raped and abused and attacked and assaulted and betrayed over and over again. While looking me directly in the eye, it was like he was testing me. And she told a friend in a text message at the time, apparently. So, you know, I, I don't know how this being playful and teasing his staff defense is going to work out for him. The second accuser said that she saw him as a father figure, previously played middle school soccer with his daughter before he sexually harassed her. You got this whole other issue. I'll, I don't want to spend the, the first hour of the program playing all this tape, but we'll get to it later in the show you know, where I want you to eat the whole sausage and the way that's being interpreted by some allegations against Cuomo need to be investigated. Now the white house press secretary has finally spoken out after ducking and dodging for a long time. By the way, does that mean Tara Reed, the person that made allegations against Joe Biden? Are we going to go back? Is, is she going to now be listened to? Because throughout the whole campaign, but for FoxNews.com, I didn't see many people listening to Tara Reid at the time. Uh, and she was a Democrat. And Cuomo, you know, 
gives in to the demand the attorney general is going to c- control the the inquiry. And clearly this attorney general has no fear of Governor Andrew Cuomo. And anyway, Cuomo's staff is a, 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 accused of incessant bullying, constant threats, according to a local TV reporter. It's just getting worse every day. The one Cuomo once pressured a female reporter to eat the entire sausage sandwich in front of him. A little weird. I just saw the video before coming on the air. Gillibrand now calling for the investigation as well. New York Attorney General expects to receive referral with subpoena power to investigate these allegations. So this is now spiraling out of control here in ways that I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, this is now the second accusation. And, and again, it's I, there's a lot of stuff now beginning to come flying out here. But I'll tell you, you know, we all need to pause in this sense. And I'm serious about this because truth matters. Look at the case of Julie Swetnick. Look at that one case. And look at, remember, Justice Kavanaugh crying and breaking down and his wife and his children. And it started with Professor Christie uh, Blasey Ford. And then it got into Julie Swetnick and one after another. Remember the, the allegation that almost every other weekend, Girls would line up in the hall after they got drugged and their drinks were spiked. And then one by one, you know, they would they would go in and rape these girls. Such a that's how serious that allegation was. And then when pressed, well, I never saw him near the punch bowl. Yeah, no, he was never in a line. Yeah, I once I didn't see him give a drink to anybody. He was but he did have a red solo cup and it fell apart. And and that's why you got to be so careful. But the laws in New York are particularly uh, harsh, especially for people that are, quote, viewed in positions of power over subordinates. And uh, this is going to be interesting. We'll have Greg Jarrett on at the top of the next hour. He actually has a column out thinking that Cuomo could face criminal charges over the sex harassment accusations. It's, you know, the how, boy, it's so amazing how things turn out, isn't it? He was the, the media, the mob. They praised this guy to the hilt. This is why can't Trump deliver the message like him and and Fauci praising him and Fauci got we now know pretty much everything wrong. And I'm not I'm not even really holding it against him. But it, the fact that he's playing politics now bothers me because you know what? When you go over his record, no, the masks don't work. OK, wear the mask. Yeah, wear the mask. Uh, no, this is virus isn't going anywhere. You know, Cuomo in early March saying, uh, we're not like these other countries. We're New Yorkers. Excuse uh, our arrogance as New Yorkers. I speak for the mayor also on this one. We think we have the best health care system on the planet right here in New York. So uh, when you're saying what happened in other countries versus what happened here, uh, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Okay, but the thing was is that, and Donald Trump, with all the talk about stylistic differences and his 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 PowerPoints, Donald Trump actually maybe you didn't like his press conferences. Okay, stylistic, whatever. He still built the hospitals. He built them from scratch. Three thousand beds at the Javits Center. He brought in the Navy hospital ship converted all the hospitals to take on COVID patients, not originally designed for that. It was supposed to be overflow patients for other issues. 
Then he manned those hospitals. In other words, it was not New York healthcare workers. And then they provided every shield, every set of gloves, every mask, every gown that was needed, and medicines as well. And those ventilators, I need 40,000 ventilators. 2015, he had his own health care task force. Governor Cuomo didn't buy one ventilator. And then if you wanted hydroxychloroquine, at the time, the foremost expert, uh, what's his name, Daniel Wallace at Cedar sinai said that the risk is nil. And you know what? It looks promising. What did Dr. Oz say? You go to the war with the army you have, not the one you wish you had. And it turned out now, taken early, we have numerous studies that support that it, it did play some role in helping people, which is all you were looking for at that time. And now we have three, you know, Trump got no credit for any of this. It's just the way it works. Speaking of Trump, we'll talk about him and CPAC. By the way, I don't know what's going on with Joe Biden, but it, it is bad. It is. I mean, this weekend was as bad as last week. People aren't attacking me now for saying, yeah, he looks weak and frail and he's struggling cognitively because it's now weekly. Uh, I've I literally started a segment Friday nights on Hannity. You know, Biden's uh, Biden's blunders, b- b- weekly blunders. Glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Well, now Hillary has just released a statement. It says these stories are difficult to read. The allegations brought forth raise serious questions that the women who have come forward and all New Yorkers deserve answers to. I'm glad to see that there will be a full, independent and thorough investigation. Um, well, I guess she's come a long way from the vast right wing conspiracy against her husband uh, days, and I still don't know if she's ever acknowledged or said she believed Juanita Broderick or acknowledged Kathleen Willey or acknowledged even Paula Jones, for that matter, who did get a pretty hefty payout as a result of what happened in her particular case. Um, and and this, you know, the hypo- it's just rank hypocrisy. It, it, it is it, it what bothers me the most about all of this is the following is that they have been so slow. The I believer caucus to come out because it's a Democrat. Now, if in principle, you know, what was consistent on this Rose McGowan. I saw that immediately she was consistent in what she had to say about Cuomo versus what she was saying about about Justice Kavanaugh. We're being consistent, which is. I believe in due process, the presumption of innocence, and people that make serious allegations got to investigate them, but not draw any final conclusions. And, you know, as we learned in the Kavanaugh case, well, a lot of those stories, they kind of just fell apart, didn't they? And the same with Clarence Thomas. And, and so we've, we've seen this now ratcheted up, and there are a lot of people that, that don't want to give due process. We, we take great pride in being right in my career about Richard Jewell, about Duke Lacrosse, UVA, about Ferguson, Missouri, about um, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Freddie Gray, Cambridge Police. We, we take and being right about the Russia hoax. And sometimes we're a little slower. I mean, I can't even tell you with Russia, 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 everything that was proven to be true, all of our reporting. We, we sometimes waited for triple verification before we would go with news that we were working on. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program here. 
Now, I'm going to say something that I want I want you to hear this out because this this is a great danger. One of the reasons and you ask yourself, why is the new Green Deal so popular? Why is it that so many people have bought into this 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 lie that uh, we're going to have guaranteed guaranteed government education from the time we're born to the time we die? Okay, college is going to be free. For student loan forgiveness, uh, guaranteed government job, guaranteed government wage, guaranteed government health care, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed uh, uh, government retirement, guaranteed, guaranteed. It, it never works. There is an appeal to people. I'm just giving you the other side of this. This is not my thinking. There is an appeal to people because there is associated with living natural stresses that we all have in life, right? Everybody feels it. We all feel stressed at some point or another. Now there's healthy stress and then there's unhealthy stress. And when I started out my adult life, I, I paid for any, every single penny that I ever spent on college, I paid for. And I took out one loan and I paid it back in 10 years, $58.05 to the Jamaica Savings Bank. And I knew my parents, my mom, the prison guard, my dad, the weekend waiter and family court probation guy. They didn't have the money to send me to college. They, they would have borrowed it. They would have mortgaged their house for it. They would have you know, done everything had I and they tried to get me to accept it. And I said, no, I'm not doing it on my own. I was kind of, well, a little incorrigible and stubborn, but very independent. I've been financially independent since I'm 10. Nobody believes me, but I'm telling you the truth. And my best friends will tell you, when I went to school, they couldn't believe that I had huge wads of money constantly. And Go my, my, one of my best friends, Gomez, he's like, Hannity, uh, I got some chicken. You want to? And he, I always wanted his dad's chicken, and he always wanted to buy the crappy lunch at, in the cafeteria, which I hated. You know, the only thing I bought was the junk food, which back then they actually sold in school. Um, or the pizza wasn't that good, but it wasn't horrible. Anyway, so I, I just, the idea, I know what it's like to struggle not to be able to come up with the rent money. I know what it's like to struggle to live paycheck to paycheck. I know I've lived that life and it's not pleasant. And then the idea that somebody's going to come along and take all that stress and all the, the worry about whether you can afford to send your kids to college, whether you'll have enough money for retirement, uh, whether you're going to have a, a guaranteed government neighborhood house. I don't know what else they're promising. So the problem with all of this is it destroys human initiative. It destroys it. It also goes contrary to what our entire governmental belief system is which is based on natural rights from quote the thing god the creator of everything and that the belief that i have firmly in my heart that god created every man woman and child and that within each individual there are talents and abilities and the natural stress not unnatural stress that of survival brings out of you a desire and a and a and a certain discipline and responsibility that you got to get your ass out of bed and you got to go out and produce goods and services that people want, need, and desire. And you got to work and you got to live within your means. You got to try and save money. All these things come into play. And then the then you have government officials, the same people that can't keep law and order in their cities, the same people that destroyed our public school systems, especially in big blue states run by big blue state 
liberal Democratic governors for decades, and and they fail spectacularly, like the promises of Obamacare. Keep your doctor, keep your plan, save money. None of those promises were fulfilled. But there is this inclination to race right back and start believing that this is that this time they actually mean it. I have no idea what he's even talking about. You know, what the Democrats, they, they and, and people think, I'm going to have it all taken care of me. Okay, maybe sounds good on paper, but every single time socialism has been failed, whatever name it's taken on, whatever manifestation it is, has taken on, it always fails in this way. Promises are never fulfilled. Poverty and and less wealth is created, and people become poorer, and you give up your freedom in the name of false security. That's the end result. That's the conclusion of socialism. Okay. So it may sound great to a lot of Americans, the idea that Elizabeth Warren is now proposing a wealth tax which probably means that Joe Biden will do it because he's now basically taking dictation from everybody in the Democratic Party. All right. Wealth tax, 2 percent net value of assets of the wealthiest people in America. Uh, we build the future for all of our kids by investing taxing in opportunity, she said. It'd be, you know, contending that the small tax would generate at least three trillion dollars. Now, if you're not going to be subject to that tax, you're probably saying, great, here's the problem. You know, all these people that are leaving and all these companies that are leaving New York post-pandemic, post the billion-dollar cut to the NYPD, uh, all these people leaving, you know, the 13.5% state income tax in California, the 10% tax in New York. Um, yeah, all, why are all those people moving to Texas and Tennessee and red states and Florida and the Carolinas and everywhere in between? They're moving to get the hell out to save more money. It's an insane conversation I have every year with my my financial advisors. The whatever you do, Hannity, don't die in New York. I'm like, oh, OK, I'll try not to die in New York. I'm going to try really hard this year not to die in New York as if I know the day that God's going to call me home. And so, OK, why? Because New York on now money that's already been taxed my whole life. And believe me, I pay everything. I have to. <laughs> I guarantee it gets pulled without even, there's no doubt every tax return gets pulled. And, and the good thing is a lot of it's W-2'd anyway, so it's not a big deal. But they pull it out, and I just, I always say, just pay it, just pay it, pay it, pay it, pay it. That's my constant refrain. And so what's going to happen when, when people leave those states? Now, if, they, if Elizabeth Warren does this in the country, do you not think that the people that got rich, most of which got rich by not being stupid and working hard? I, I don't know many people that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. I just don't know that crowd. I, I've, I didn't grow up with that crowd. So I'm just I'm looking at this and they, they think it's great. The bill's going to be dubbed the Ultra Millionaire Tax Act. OK, what do you think? What, what is happening that nobody's paying attention to. People are leaving the country. They are giving up their citizenship. That's the next thing that's going to happen. Now, is it going to happen right away? No. But the more oppressive government gets, the more people leave in California, New York, New Jersey, um, Michigan, and, and other states. They're getting the hell out because they get to save a lot more of their money and the weather's a lot warmer in these southern states. 
And this trend is going to continue. The only danger for those states is that the people that move from California to New York are going to bring their dumb politics with them. So it's not going to work out. Now, I don't I don't I love the United States of America. But these other these states that tax look when Donald Trump's tax plan passed, it hurt me personally, personally, I paid more. Why? Because the the state income tax deduction went away. Now, that was the deduction that rewarded states like New York for electing tax and spend liberal Democratic governors and state legislators that nobody in any red state had an ability to take advantage of. And I'll be honest, I deserve that tax increase because I people if people in Tennessee, Florida, Texas can't get it, Oklahoma can't get it, Mississippi and Alabama can't get it. I don't deserve it either. Or Kansas or Idaho. I don't. Why should I get that? So it shouldn't shouldn't have happened in the first place. So I'm just telling you where this is going to go. And they're going to stop investing money. They're going to put all these bureaucratic hurdles in place and regular regulation after regulation then we're all going to pay more because he's destroying the energy sector in a month i mean it's a disaster we're all going to we're already paying like 30 40 cents more a gallon for gas we're all paying more more to heat our homes we're all going to be paying more to cool our homes right you're going to be paying more all across the board i love this the single biggest threat and the president was he was great saying they're anti-science because the science is young people are not greatly impacted by coronavirus to the fact that it is not the threat that it is to the older older people with pre-existing conditions, comorbidities and weakened immune systems or compromised immune systems. Now you have apparently the head of Berkeley's teachers union is being accused of hypocrisy because they send he sends his daughter to an in-person preschool despite leading the fight against school reopenings. You can't make this crap up. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so the president was out um, in giving his speech this weekend. And this is where the battle is. And, and, And the battle is a philosophical battle for the heart and soul of the country. Either we're going to live in freedom, liberty, capitalism with a belief in the individual, or we're going to buy into the lies of socialism and redistributionism. And, and I, I can say it all in a minute. What are we conservatives? What do, I, what do I care about? Lower taxes, less government bureaucracy, liberty and freedom. I want the government to get the hell out of our life as much as possible. Constitutionalists on the, on the bench, secure borders, energy independence, because it's the lifeblood of our economy. I believe in the First Amendment and the Second Amendment at free and fair trade. I want law and order. I want safety and security in every town and every city. School choice for kids in schools so parents can make better decisions. And then peace through strength, the biggest badass military with the latest military technology because the world has evil players in it and also free and fair trade. That's it. And that's what Trump went through in his list yesterday. And. And, and I, I thought it was great when he said, he comes out, you miss me yet? It was hilarious. And you know, the media like bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer because they're humorless. And I may even beat them for a third time. You know, that totally pisses them off, too. Uh, he did not say whether he would run. And he talked about, no, there's not going to be a third party. Uh, he's not supporting that. 
He slammed some establishment Republicans by name, but he said, we got to stick together. And this is the agenda, the one I just laid out in a minute. That's it. There's the agenda. That is America first. And that is make America great again. And that is conservatism 101, 102, 103 and advanced conservatism. It's not that hard to express. The fact that politicians have such a difficult time articulating that is beyond frustrating to me. You know, yeah, look what look what Biden's doing on the border. Look what that's another issue, by the way. What the hell is going on? Let's play last week's. I'm now doing a segment every Friday night on Hannity. You know, Biden's weekly blunders. This is last week's blunders. I, uh, you know, but the idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card, I carry a card with me every day with the total number of folks who have been affected by the, uh, as of uh, yesterday, there were 500,071 people who have died from this. For God's sake, wear a mask. Okay, thank you. All right. So he says, for God's sake, wear the mask. He walks away from the podium, goes, shakes people's hands without his mask on. <laughs> like you're kidding me, right? The, the number he was looking for, he just had a, a you know, we lost 500,000 of our fellow Americans. He knew the day before. Did he really need a card for that? What's on the card? Hi, my name is Joe. My wife's name's Jill. I live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. All these people saying, oh, Sean Hannity calls Joe Biden weak, frail, and he's struggling cognitively. They're not criticizing me anymore because they see it. We all see it. This weekend was even worse. Everybody knows Sheila Jackson Lee. I mean, she's been in Washington for a long time. It's like when he said about Romney, you know, the Mormon governor, the Mormon governor guy. I'm like, what? Super Thursday. We take truth over facts, blah, blah, blah. This was him this weekend. Listen to this mess. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinnell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner. What, what, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. Shirley Jackson Lee. No, it's Sheila Jackson Lee. I, 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 it's a mess. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea about this stuff. It's just compare tapes from four years ago. I think anyone in the media will have the courage to. If this was, if this was John McCain, they had no problem saying it about him or Ronald Reagan. They had no problem raising the the quote age question. But, you know, it's like you talk about Joe. Oh, no, 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 we can't talk about Joe. They just act like it's not going on. I want to know, did they know it was this bad when he was hiding in his basement bunker? It's getting a little scary here. I, oh, I got my my card. You know, um, um, I, I keep it in my pocket. My name is Joe. Oh, Joe, okay. Wow. A little scary. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we've been going over all these troubles of 
New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Now, it's very, very interesting. This this is not a Republican-led effort in the state of New York. It's just not. This is the Democratic Party now coming out against him. And as we have been discussing, it's getting more and more complicated every single day because they're all the I-believers and the I-believer caucus and Pelosi and Gillibrand uh, all of a sudden now are beginning to feel the pressure along with AOC and every and a bunch of other people. Uh, you got a sexual harassment group now saying he must resign. Some Democrats talking about impeachment. He's claiming he was being playful and teasing his staff. The second accuser said that she saw him as a father figure and previously played middle school soccer with his daughter before uh, she claimed she was sexually harassed. Um, Allegations now, well, Cuomo's trying to spike them and and there's not a single Democrat that's allowing that to happen. Uh, A very similar thing happened in 2013. There were a lot of corruption scandals in Albany and they established what was called the Moreland Commission to root out malfeasance. And then all of a sudden, that same commission issued a subpoena to one of the media buying firms that the governor used. He made a call. The subpoena was withdrawn and he closed the commission because it got a little too close to him. I don't think it's going to happen this time. And then, you know, you have the I want to see you eat the whole sausage comment which is, we'll show you the video tonight. Uh, This is a case where Andrew Cuomo tells a female reporter she's doing a disservice asking about a former aide and potential uh, sexual harassment there. Um, This reporter saying that she felt intimidated and and bullied and broke down when others came forward. I just started crying. Um, And this was involving a case by a guy named Sam Hoyt. You did have it going on within your own administration, allegedly, with Sam Hoyt. What could you do differently to, you know, kind of pick up on that? Well, look, you have it going on in journalism. It's systemic. It's societal. It's not one person in one area. It's not just Charlie Rhodes, right? It's not just Matt Lauer. It's not just journalists. It's societal. Will you eat the whole sandwich? I will eat the whole sandwich. Yeah? Okay. All right, and that was the sausage moment. Uh, we'll show you that tonight. Greg Jarrett, author of two best-selling books, The Russia Hoax, Witch Hunt, John Solomon, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com. Uh, Greg, in your column that you wrote on this, uh, you're saying that the governor could, in fact, face criminal charges now you have the hiring of this criminal defense attorney uh just breaking as we're coming on the on the air today uh let's talk about the legal side of this he could uh penal code section 130 it's called forcible touching uh and under new york law people versus Rondon, it involves uh forcibly touching somebody's body parts as well as kissing them on the mouth uh, in an unwanted fashion. That's forcible. He's also, uh, if, if these allegations are true, guilty of the crime of harassment in New York. Uh, so Letitia James, who is the attorney general, is duty-bound to launch a civil rights probe of Quobe's behavior because go to her website and you will see that her definition of both criminal and civil uh, sexual harassment in the workplace is absolutely defined by the allegations uh, against Andrew Cuomo. He is a case study 
as a sexual harasser. Uh, he should resign in disgrace or be impeached. But most of all, it seems to me there should be a criminal investigation to charge him with that. On top of that, he ought to be criminally charged with obstruction of justice and fraud and conspiracy related to the nursing home deaths, which he covered up, falsified data, uh, and, you know, worked to conceal the truth of what he'd done. You know, John Solomon, uh, what's, what makes this fascinating is that it's Democrats. This is not Republicans. These are people, you know, the first whistleblower talking about, yeah, we didn't want the Justice Department to investigate the real nursing home uh, right. scandal numbers, so we hid it from them. Uh, basically saying, yeah, we obstructed an investigation. Then you've got not just one person, now another person. Then you go back to the past uh, and is that that exchange with this with this reporter. Um, and and now it's it's be- begins to come tumbling down. Now does that now are we going to bring up Tara Reid's name, who accused Joe Biden uh, before the last election, and nobody paid attention to her? Well, it's a great question, right? There's been a double standard in the Democratic Party on sexual harassment, which is it's uh, always worth investigating when it's a Republican, and it's only sometimes worth investigating when it's a Democrat. And usually when it's a Democrat, it's usually a Democrat who's already wounded, right? So in this case here, Cuomo's got two scandals, right? And they're interlinked. Uh, in order for him to defend himself against sexual harassment, you have to say, you have to trust me. I was just trying to be a fun guy, whatever that means. And uh, I didn't mean any harm. When you ask someone to trust you and you've just admitted that you lied and withheld uh, COVID deaths from the United States Justice Department during the pandemic, you have a credibility gap right out of the box. That's why uh, Letitia James, the attorney general, is trying to get subpoena power. Remember what Cuomo did yesterday. He tried to structure the investigation originally so that she wouldn't have subpoena power. And she said, no, 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 I got to have subpoena power on this. Why? She has the ability to go back and get documents, not only about these episodes, but maybe things that happened earlier. If this is a pattern, it didn't just start during the pandemic. It may go back further. And I think that's what um, uh, poses such a threat to him. Letitia James getting subpoena power strengthens her ability to get to the bottom of the truth. When you look at the actual statute, Greg Jarrett, sex offenses, penal uh, law, Article 130, defines various criminal sex offenses, including sexual misconduct, rape, sexual abuse, forcible touching, female genital mutilation, facilitating a sex offense with a controlled substance, lack of consent, uh, is an element in every criminal sexual act, and it results from force or threatened use of force or uh, incapacity. And generally, a person is considered incapable of consent when he or she is less than 17, mentally disabled, incapacitated, physically helpless, committed to the care of a custodian, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it also seems to include uh, employees when they're dealing with employers. That's right, because, you know, the subordinate uh, is in a lesser position uh, vis-a-vis the boss. And so the boss... Uh, can impose uh, himself on the subordinate, which is why there are, you know, these sexual harassment in the workplace laws. And, and as I say, this is a classic case of sexual harassment. And, you know, what, what is really wrong about our laws is not only is there a strict statute of limitations that may protect Cuomo, from criminal prosecution. That's, you know, I find that to be uh, sexist and, and wrong. But it, it, it's an antiquated statute because it fails to understand the obvious reluctance of victims who are traumatized. They fear retribution. 
So those laws need to be changed. And one of the best ways to do it is to go after Andrew Cuomo uh, as an example. Yes, he's entitled to due process, and he's going to be getting that with the attorney uh, general's investigation. But if these claims are true, and especially the most recent Ms. Bennett, who, who her claim is corroborated by people she told at the time, and she went to the chief of staff of Cuomo as well as the special counsel and complained about the sexual harassment, then I suspect the, that all of these allegations are indeed true. Okay, now we do have to... Uh, you know, give our usual caveat here is I do believe John Solomon and the presumption of innocence, and I do believe in due process, something that people like Andrew Cuomo and the Democrats and the I believe, uh, I believer, believer, believer caucus. Uh, look at the case of Kavanaugh, where these none of this was ever corroborated, and most of it ended up, you know, look at the Julie Swetnick allegations, totally debunked. By the time this was all said and done, and and look what happened, this man was dragged through hell and back. Yeah, listen, what, the, the presumption of innocence should always be in the, in, uh, the, in front of the queues until the evidence is there and until there's been an impartial investigation and conclusion. What makes Cuomo so interesting is that he is a guy that has grandstanded on the idea that he was fighting sexual misconduct in the workplace. He mandated his own employees to go through a special, what he called, model training program. He helped put in new rules in 2011, allegedly, to combat. So one of the things that makes this remarkable is this is a man who professes to know what the rules are because he imposed the new rules. And now if this behavior comes forward, and remember, he's given ground already. He's already acknowledged that he, he may have made comments that were insensitive. By that definition, he may have been covered by his own sexual harassment work places. This is not someone who can claim naivete, not somebody that can claim that he wasn't uh, aware of the rules that he has, he himself had put in place. It's a very complicated thing. It's going to come down to the credibility of the women and the evidence they have versus what uh, uh, Cuomo has. And Cuomo has some damaged credibility now with the COVID-19 uh, cover-up that he had with the nursing home. So fascinating. He deserves the benefit of doubt. But the evidence is going to zero in on what standard he set for all the other workers and whether he followed it. On JustTheNews.com today, an unrelated story that you have put out there is that uh, a Biden advisor, uh, White House advisor Cedric Richmond, is saying that the White House might move on the on the issue of reparations, reparations. and and bypass Congress again. I, I mean, yes, I, in other words, do, do they not realize we have three co-equal branches of government? <laughs> Remember all the times the Democrats kept saying Donald Trump's acting like a king, he's doing this. Uh, Joe Biden has more aggressively used executive power in his first 40 days in office than Donald Trump did. And what's remarkable is that some of the things that have enormous price tags and enormous policy implications that the Constitution leaves with the Congress to decide. So, And what makes this even more humorous is that he has Democratic control of the Congress, and he still can't get these policies through, so they're looking for end runs. And I think that that's going to be one of the dynamics throughout the Biden presidency, end running his own party because he doesn't have the votes for the policies that he's, he's pushing. And what do you think, Greg Jarrett? I mean, to me, uh, if it's a co- he, Biden himself said, I'm not a dictator, i got to get the votes. Well, he's not getting any votes, and he's ruling by executive fiat. Well, he is in the latest uh you know, effort is reparations to to African Americans. And look, I, I am all for giving funding, more funding 
to black-owned businesses, to investing in black institutions, but reparations is misplaced. Uh, Only a tiny minority of white Americans ever owned slaves. 350,000 Union soldiers gave their lives to free slaves. There's no one group uh, that benefited exclusively uh, from it. And, you know, today we're in a multi-ethnic nation. Most Americans have no connection, direct or indirect, to slavery. Uh, So I, I think this is misplaced. Prison reform? Uh, Yeah, that was Donald uh, Trump's doing. Uh, So, you know, if they want to engage in more prison reform and follow uh, Donald Trump's guidance on that, I'm all for it. Let me ask you both another question on another unrelated issue is Peter Navarro, former trade official with President Trump. He thinks there will be at least three indictments coming from John Durham. Uh, We have all at times expressed a lot of skepticism about whatever the hell it is that Durham is doing. John Solomon, your thoughts? Yeah, listen, all the signs are exactly where they've been for the last few months. This is a prosecutor acting working, talking uh, to defendants and witnesses like someone who's about to bring indictments. He's securing witness cooperations. He's fighting subpoena fights to enforce subpoenas. He's trying to put together final timelines. There are two big questions. One is, will he feel satisfied he's got a case that he can win in the District of Columbia? And two, if he does, will the Biden Justice Department allow him to bring that case? I think Devin Nunez on the Sunday talk shows with Maria Bartiroma raised that question. But he is acting as though uh, he is building a criminal case. And when you think about it, there would have been no reason for Bill Barr to upgrade him to special counsel in December if there wasn't further evidence of criminality. Being elevated to special counsel didn't protect him from firing. A special counsel can be fired just as easily as a U.S. attorney. The reason he was upgraded was because the evidence pointed to more criminality than what we knew about the one lawyer, Klein Smith, who doctored the document. Uh, I mean, this is an amazing thing. Any idea who would be on the list? And James Comey, now that the smoking email came out that he admitted, uh, <laughs> even though he signed three of the four FISA applications, that it was never verified. He said it in, in an email to James Clapper, uh, Greg yeah. Jarrett. Yeah, James Comey should be at the very top of the list of people criminally prosecuted for uh, defrauding the FISA court, for lying uh, to Congress uh, about it. But, you know, I, I something. Yeah, exactly. I'll that, believe it when I see it is what yeah, you're saying, I, even Comey, though that, that you agree it's a smoking gun email. Oh, oh, totally a smoking gun. Email. All right. It's been lying to the American people and, and to Congress and uh I I just am so sick and tired of waiting for this. I I have zero patience at this point because there was after the inspector general report, there was enough information in there to prosecute a case. Uh, All right. Thank you, Greg Jarrett. Appreciate it. And don't forget Greg's podcast, The Brief, John Solomon, justthenews.com, 800-941-SEAN. Our number will get to your calls next. All right. 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in just a second here. What's happening with Cuomo in New York is real. Now, the media, what they love to do is they love to pit Andrew Cuomo. Oh, look at his leadership. Oh, he needs an Emmy. Oh, he has great PowerPoints. Oh, why can't he be leading the nation? You know, and the irony is because they just hate the fact that Donald Trump takes a breath at every second of every day. Um, and they just they were addicted to hating him. It didn't matter that it was Donald Trump that built the hospitals, manned the hospitals, took care of New York all the PPE, all the ventilators, with very little talk. And then Cuomo didn't even use them. And now the whole nursing home scandal is exploding. 
But at the time, the media, the mob in New York, they were just they were praising Cuomo to the hilt. Now, this is fascinating because, well, his fortunes have now turned dramatically. But listen to the media praising Cuomo. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Garnering the nickname America's governor. I think you saw it right there. He is conveying incredible strength in the face of this pandemic. A few people uh, have a better understanding of how to manage the pandemic uh, than you do. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you were sending soldiers off to war. Governor, there's so much in this book that I'd love to talk to you about, including the personal side of it. This book is uh, absolutely fantastic. I think it's uh, just a, a guide to how to deal with, with, with this pandemic. Well, the book has done just what you suggested. It starts a really important conversation at a very scary time. It is a book unlike anything ever written by a governor before because no one has lived through and managed the crisis that he has. Cuomo is set to receive an International Emmy Award. He's being honored with the Founders Award for using his briefings to inform and calm the public. His PowerPoints were epic. Yes. In the movie of this, when it's finally made, who do you want to have play you? I think everyone is a big fan of yours right now. I am a fan of Andrew Cuomo and wish very much that he were president of the United States now. I mean, isn't he actually? <laughs> I mean, in a way, he yeah, is. The president. He is president. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become in some ways the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. I think back to you know, the daily news conferences you would hold. Many people felt you were the only one who was telling us anything. You know, you gave us hard truths. You didn't try to sugarcoat. Honest, direct, brave. It felt like, oh, we are all part of this. We are all in this together. You really did pull us up and out of the deep muck. And I, I thank you for that. Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. I mean, everything he did was great. Except it turned out that the real hero of New York, when it mattered the most, was Donald Trump. He built the hospitals Cuomo didn't use, manned the hospitals Cuomo didn't use, provided the PPE that Cuomo didn't have in stock that saved New York and sent the hospital ship, built the, and he left the beds empty. It was ridiculous. Now, all of a sudden, what's fascinating here is the Democrats are the ones that have turned on Cuomo uh, and even the media now having to recognize he's in big trouble here. And certainly uh, to bring up her own uh, sexual assault seemed to be highly inappropriate. Yeah, Chuck, and it's not very different and stands out from statements we've seen from officials in the past who've been accused of uh, similar allegations where there's an outright denial. That's not at all, as you point out, what we see here. It's kind of tough right now. I mean, look, I've I've been in management, right? And I have managed uh, and mentored uh, female subordinates and and have done so without any reference to their sexual sex lives i mean and that that's so that's kind of that should be a no-brainer yeah. uh and it should have been a no-brainer 
um, years and years and years ago, and it certainly is now. Uh, so this is a problem for him. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a big one. Right before we go, I do want to ask you about Andrew Cuomo. We saw those headlines this morning. A second person has come forward with sexual harassment allegations. Can he survive this? No, he shouldn't. I mean, honestly, you know, when you think about someone who's in a position of power like this, uh, and we know we've been here before, we've had these conversations around this table, and you take advantage of your relationship with women, and, the, and I believe these women, I, I always stand with women, um, then you should not be in a position of authority. And honestly, with, you know, Andrew Cuomo has had a very, very bad couple of weeks with the issue with COVID and the nursing home facility. And this is just another shoe to drop. Pretty amazing times we're living in. I'll tell you that. All right. Jason is in Florida, the great state of Florida. That means Jason is a hell of a lot smarter than I am, as I am not down there with him in a no tax state income tax state. How are you, sir? Hey, Sean. It's good to talk to you. It's uh it's kind of rainy down here, but we'd love to have you down here. You need to just come on the move. Uh, where, where do you live? What part of Florida? Destin. Love Destin. I've been there many times. Destin, Fort Walton Beach, Panhandle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, very proud of our governor. He's done a great job with us. Everything he said at CPAC was on point. The mm-hmm. man agreed. couldn't ask for a better Navy veteran brother. Just, just, Just all in the same. Just a great man. Um, my primary purpose of this call is to honestly, I want to thank you for, you know, our generation. We, we just lost a great voice, but I'd like to believe that he lives on through, through you and Levin and Mark Simone. And, you know, I could keep going, but honestly, I, I have to thank you for not being a voice for, for Republicans, but a voice for conservatives. And you know, you, you mean you're, you're very kind, and I will tell you, nobody can ever replace Rush. It's just, it just no. is a fact. I've, I've said it, as people have asked me, and you're very kind to bring it up. And what I, what I've been saying is, I'll tell you what matters to me, and it's not the Republican Party. What matters are the people of this country, Jason. That's what it's about. That's why conservatism is what I believe in. I'm a registered conservative. And if we if we we showed during Donald Trump's presidency, when you implement conservatism, the people, we, the people benefit. And and that's that's the tragedy. The last year of his presidency, everything changed because of the virus. Right. And up to that point. We had more people in every demographic with more jobs, energy independence, the wall being built, constitutionalists on the bench. I mean, so a, a, a tough foreign policy, letting the military do its job, better trade deals. We can do it again. And that's the part of the president's speech I like. Let me let me just take myself out of this. And I mean this. This isn't about one host it's not about one show it's not about one american it's about all of us and i use the analogy we're all spokes in a wheel here and if we stay united and we fight for these principles that will make us a a more perfect union and a better country and preserve liberty and freedom for future generations and capitalism for future generations everybody wins even the democrats win they just don't know it yet Absolutely. You know, people like us, we don't like to see others fail. We want to see everyone succeed. 
100 percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a funny thing. The president often asked me about Rush and he couldn't understand why I kept telling him. No, I mean, Rush is Babe Ruth. He's Lou Gehrig. He's he's Mickey Mantle all in one. Derek Jeter included. And he goes, I, I would think you're in the same business. You guys want to kill each other. And I'm like, no, just the opposite. You know, a lot of the opportunities I got in my life is because of the trailblazing he did and the and the path he forged. And that's just not me. It's everybody in this industry, all of us. I'm just more vocal about it, acknowledging it than some others have been. And um, I'm very appreciative. And that voice is is missed dearly. And even us all upping our game is still not going to be able to fill that void, but we got to try. And I know, and the most important part of that is I know he would want us to try. He loved this country. I think the best thing that I think captures how Rush loved radio so much, trust me, he didn't need the money. You, everybody knew he didn't need the money, right? He's got a huge Gulf stream. Everybody knew that. But Rush, his bucket list was to be with you, with us, we, his audience. That speaks volumes about him. It speaks volumes. And and through and through, um, you know, but, but we've got a job to do. And, you know, one of the things that, as he was going through this, um, I, I just know too much about medicine. Too, too many people in my family have been involved in medicine, so I know more than I wish I knew. And I knew too many people that have gotten chemotherapy and radiation, including my own mother had stage four breast cancer, mastectomy, lost her hair, chemotherapy, radiation, barely survived that, died from something else. But uh, it's horrible. They half kill you to save you. And then Rush would go get his treatments. Then he'd come back and it wasn't to, you know, have, all right, I want to travel the world. I want to go to Australia. I want to do this or that. No, it was, I want to get back on the air. And it's, I guarantee you, he was, I know for a fact, I can just say factually, he wasn't feeling good a lot of those days on the air, and and he he didn't talk about it. He was very stoic, very strong, very courageous, and I uh, we have a lot to learn from people like him. It, you know, he took all the slings and arrows for all of us, and I know he'd want us to continue the fight because that was his passion, his love, his sincere beliefs, and. You know, what made him the trailblazer is he was saying things that, that people believed and and they said, oh, finally, somebody that thinks like me. Right. We're not we're not aliens here. We're not the way the media and Democrats portray us. And right, as we continue back to our busy phones, let's see, Joe in Virginia. What's up, Joe? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, yeah, I was calling you. Thanks for talking to me. Um, let's go about this $15 minimum an hour, you know, wage hike here. Um, it's going to kill our business, our small business. It's going to kill it. Uh, right now, we're having to put, you know, I'm having to pay people $15 an hour to start out just to get them to work, you know. And the CBO, I think it's a CBO estimate, was 1.4 million jobs will be lost if they yeah. if they push that through reconciliation because they're not going to get it passed any like, other way. And, you know, I'm a small business. You know, they're going to crush us. We are keeping anywhere from 12 to 15 employees. And that's just, you know, it's going to kill us, you know. They don't what kind of business are you in? You, in a well drilling business. We drill uh, oh, you're, drill, you're a well driller. You're, you're screwed yeah. both ways. Yeah, we're drilling water wells and geothermal wells. And um, and this is hard work. And you can't, 
you know, right now. Oh, I was thinking oil wells. Well. So you you dig water wells. You dig down deep in property, and you find streams yeah, in people's in backyards. Areas, you know, we don't we don't have the systems that the water lines run out, so we drill water wells, and um, we do a lot of geothermal. But I'm I'm having to start people at fifteen dollars an hour that don't know anything. So how am I going to compete with these other people? Well, there's you know they'll go anywhere and make fifteen dollars an hour, not have to do hard work. So think about this. All these guys in the oil sector, energy sector, um, losing their jobs, high-paying career jobs. Then you add all the amnesty that's coming our way and open borders, which is going to bring even more people. Then you put the pandemic and the loss, 17 million Americans out of work with that. Now you're going to have all these people competing for, for jobs that come online. What is that going to do to wages? It's going to drive them down. And then the people that will eventually get hired first, you mark my words here, will be illegal immigrants because they'll be off the books and they'll be paid $7 an hour, not 15 anyway. And and this is what I hate about, there's always been that, that segment of the establishment Republican side that, that wanted cheap labor, which is why they wanted open borders. Democrats wanted it because they thought it was a, a natural constituency that would vote for Democrats generationally. And but both sides are wrong. It's not in the country's best interest. I think you have merit-based immigration. I think you do background checks. I think you do health checks. I think you make sure that people can take care of themselves and they're not a burden on taxpayers. It's not that hard. Anyway, I appreciate the call. Um, hang in there, Joe. You know, I need to get a well. I'd love to know if there's well water where I live. I don't know that. Do you have well water, Linda, where you live? I do indeed. Is that where you get the source of your water? Actually, no. It's very strange. There is well water, but we use city water because I'm close enough to the city. Okay. All right. Does it have fluoride in it? It you does. You're not drinking it. <laughs> Listen, I love fluoride water. It kept my teeth strong for years. Yeah, my teeth. Forget it. All right. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, We're going to play a lot of the president's speech in the next half hour of the program. Look, conservatism to me is not that difficult. Lower taxes, more liberty, more freedom, less government bureaucracy so business can thrive and jobs can be created. We want constitutionalists on the bench. We believe in law and order, safe towns and cities. Uh, We want good schools. The antidote is called school choice. We want our borders secure. Uh, we want energy independence and the jobs that go along with it. And then things like peace through strength, the biggest badass military on the face of this earth uh, with the most advanced military equipment because it's an evil world with evil people in it. Next thing, simple, free and fair trade. Not much more complicated than that. First and Second Amendment, not that complicated. Anyway, and, you know, look at the difference. Look look at how New York shut down and has destroyed and decimated its economy. California, same thing. Michigan, same thing. New Jersey, pretty much the same thing. Pennsylvania, not far behind. Then you look at South Dakota, Christy Nome. Then you look at Florida and, and, and Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. Um, DeSantis actually addressed this in his speech at CPAC. Let's play it. And while so many governors over the last year had kept locking people down, Florida lifted people up. Florida is leading in protecting our vulnerable residents, saving the economy, and safeguarding the freedom of our people. 
In Florida, schools are open. Every Floridian has a right to earn a living and all businesses have a right to operate. Now we are stronger as a state and much happier as a people because of this leadership. Florida has lower per capita COVID mortality than the national average and lower than 27 other states. Our unemployment rate is lower than the national average, even though tourism isn't fully back. And our budget is in great shape. We have not touched one red cent from our rainy day fund throughout this whole time. Florida got it right, and the lockdown states got it wrong. You know, compare that to Governor PowerPoint. Mark Simone is with us on our affiliate New York AM 710, WOR, Miranda Devine, columnist, New York Post. Uh, you know, DeSantis is right, Mark, A, and B, uh, Governor Cuomo's got a lot, lot of problems resulting, A, from the nursing home issue, and B, from all these allegations of sexual assault. And now you add to that that they have hired a criminal defense attorney in this case. But the third part of the equation is this is coming from Democrats, not Republicans in New York. There's no Republican that has any standing in New York that anybody would even know. Well, he's got huge problems. He's done two things that nobody ever thought they'd live to see. One, he apologized. And two, he canceled the briefing. Uh, I mean, between him and Fauci, they never miss a chance to get on television. So he is in absolute panic mode. It's amazing to me that he or even Fauci, never called Ron DeSantis to ask him, what are you doing down there? How does it, I mean, DeSantis is running a clinic on how to handle this. They should be down there studying under him. Uh, but I think we're at the beginning of the end of Cuomo. I think the end is coming. You think the end meaning he doesn't finish his term? Well, this stuff with the women, is it's already two and a half. There's a third uh, questionable case, and I think there's more coming. And uh, he did block a federal investigation. And people forget the wit that the um, uh, assemblyman that he threatened. He was threatening him to get him to change his story. That's potential witness tampering. Charges are possible. Miranda Devine, I, I, I think Mark's right. If I never thought I would have witnessed this day and witnessed this all happening with Democrats and people around him. Yes, look, it's interesting. Uh, of course, he's being turned on by his own, but it's really too little too late. Where were they last year when the New York Post and the families of those people who were dying in nursing homes were speaking out and begging for him to stop bungling and being so incompetent in his response to the coronavirus. And, you know, we now see with the clarity of hindsight just how terrible Andrew Cuomo was for New York. He was dilly-dallying at the beginning. All he did was seen through the prism of Donald Trump. He was held up as the gold standard of leadership in the pandemic by Joe Biden and every single media outlet that is craven and beholden to the Democrats. And that was very dangerous because... At the same time, as you've just been talking about, Ron DeSantis, Christine Dome were 
both doing a great job in their states and the media turned on them. And Dr. Fauci turned on them. Dr. Fauci was holding up New York as the model. And as we know now, Dr. Fauci, as Christy Nome said on Sunday, on Saturday at CPAC, was wrong about practically everything. It's amazing how wrong he was. You know, and the interesting thing is, yeah, they, everybody seemed to love Mark, the PowerPoints and the authoritative delivery of Andrew Cuomo. And they were comparing the delivery versus, well, Donald Trump's, you know, individual style, which some people don't like. But forget the style. We got three vaccines now. Operation Warp Speed at the height of New York's hell with coronavirus in March, you know, after Cuomo and de Blasio, we're not like these other states. We're New Yorkers. We got the best medical <laughs> system in the world. You know, remember that? That was in March of last year. Yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump built the hospitals, built them, brought in the Navy hospital ship, converted them all to COVID capability to take on COVID patients, manned the hospitals, all their personnel, wasn't Cuomo's personnel, the 15,783 ventilators that Cuomo's health task force recommended he buy didn't buy one. Trump provided them and the masks and the gloves and the shields and the gowns and the medicines and the personnel. And then Cuomo left it empty. He didn't even use yeah. what Trump built him. Yeah. Hey, nobody remembers this. He also said, I will not take this vaccine. It's a Trump vaccine. I'm not going to allow it in New York State. He went through that whole routine which, of course, was insane, so he had to back down. But now he's wondering why certain people won't take the vaccine, certain neighborhoods don't want the vaccine. He frightened them before. He, he's uh, just all over the map. Uh, you know, he locked down New York City when it was unnecessary for the last few months, the restaurants. Now he's reopened them. Uh, he, he's just been crazy. You know, we had a great vaccine plan in place. Apparently it's been there for a couple decades. When the vaccine came, he decided to not to use the plan that he personally would micromanage this. And the first couple of weeks, I think we lost 20% of the vaccines because of all his crazy rules. They ended up having to had to be thrown out because they couldn't be refrozen. And that's madness. Madness from him. Yeah. All right, let me move on. Let me play the hits. That, now, again, I'm not playing all of Joe's hits, but... Let's go to last week in Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden I'll play from this weekend. I mean, this is getting bad from my perspective, and, and I'll explain on the other side. I, uh, you know, but the idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card, I carry a card with me every day with the total number of folks who have been affected by the, uh, as of uh, yesterday, there were 500,071 people who have died from this. For God's sake, wear a mask. Bye bye. Thank you. Go. Bye bye. My mask. Bye And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinnell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And, uh, uh, Mayor Turner. What am I doing here? I'm losing tracks. And it's not Shirley. That would be Sheila Jackson Lee. Uh, he had done a, a, literally the day before they had crossed the 500,000 threshold, sadly, of losing Americans. Wasn't a hard number to remember. I, I got this uh, card that I carry. Uh, you know, what is that, Miranda? Hi, my name is Joe. If anybody asks, my wife's name's Jill, and I live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then I mean, it's getting scary. What am I doing here? I, good question. What are you doing there? 
Well, he, he, he quite often uh, in his, um, you know, the settlement actually says something truthful like that. And there was a, an interesting uh, line in a People magazine puff piece about him and Jill. And he says, um, I wake up every morning in the White House and I, I look around at Jill and I say, where the hell are we? So, Miranda, I was literally every day saying weak, frail a uh, uh, cognitively struggling Joe Biden. Nobody said a word. I said it every day on radio and TV. That's how I described him, hiding in his basement bunker. He becomes president, and I say it, and then the media beats the crap out of me. They're not beating the crap out of me anymore because I just keep running the videos. And guess what? Everybody sees it, Miranda. Everybody. Yeah, they do, but if they don't want to, they won't. And the fact is, he's keeping a low profile. And, um, y- you know, he-, he hasn't had a press conference uh since he's been president. It's been 40 days, no press conference. The only time he appears is all very carefully scripted with teleprompters. Uh, he always has notes with him. And it, he did an interview the other day with Univision. I'm not sure if you saw that, but he had Jill Biden alongside him. Jill, Jill is almost in every Biden. interview he does. She, and, and this is not just a happy families interview. This is a serious policy interview. And it's talking about the disaster on the southern border and uh, about the thousands of child migrants that have come across illegally and now, of course, have to be housed in what used to be called during the Trump era cages. But no, no, no. They're cargo containers with, with bars on the walls, but they have pictures of butterflies, so it makes it all right. Okay, exactly. But there was Jill Biden answering policy questions alongside her husband. And, you know, he, he, she decided that she didn't like an answer that he gave to a question. So she butts in and she delivers the answer, a better answer. And then he, he struggles because we know he's cognitively impaired. He struggles to find words. So there she is. You can hear her prompting him, giving him the word. This is ridiculous. Who is running the government? Uh, I don't, Mark, uh, listen, I, in the beginning, I was kind of joking about it. I'm not joking about it anymore. Something's wrong here. I don't know what it is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on, on radio or TV. But this, this struggle is very real. Yeah, remember uh, if Reagan ever paused to think for a second? You'd see 14 articles the next day about this is clearly Alzheimer's. But Joe Biden, remember the Godfather at the end of the movie where he said, oh, don't forget to check with the phone, man. And he's, Pop, I did that already. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here. I, you know, look, and, I'm not say, and, and I don't think there's anything to do with age. Look, I'm telling people, just go back four years ago and watch a tape of Joe Biden. Watch a tape of Joe Biden 10 years ago. And, and Mark, it's a different person. It's, you know, I hate to say it. It's, uh, this happens at any age, but something's happening here. You know, I've talked to experts on this kind of stuff, especially, I hate to say the word Alzheimer's, but they say the first thing is you have trouble remembering numbers. Uh, you sometimes pause and look very confused. He's got all the, there's like 10 signs that they'll give you. He's already got six of them. So, uh, and this is one month in. I, I don't know how he makes it to the end of the year. This doesn't get better. It only gets worse. Well, I would think the pressures of the job will, will magnify any of this. And I, I don't wish it for him personally. People probably wouldn't believe I'm saying that, but I mean it. I don't want anybody in bad health. But, you know, compare no, never- him, say, Miranda to Bernie Sanders or compare him to Donald Trump all around the same age. Bernie, I think, is older than him. And Bernie is sharp yeah. as a tack and with more energy, with a ton of energy. Donald Trump, ton of energy. 
Well, that's right. Energy is a big thing with Joe Biden. You know, he he seems some days it waxes and wanes. Some days he's good, and other days he just it seems like a struggle for him to even to breathe or walk. And um, you know, and as you say, it's it's not a nice thing to see. But look, in a way, um, perhaps Joe Biden might be better acting as president than Kamala Harris because. You know, without Joe Biden, that's the only option we have, and that's not a pleasant one. Well, I, you know, I, I, I wish him the best health. I really do. I just, I, I hope maybe it's just that he's slowing down a little bit, but he's, you know, fully in charge. You know, I, you know, one does have to at some point wonder a little bit. Well, does does Russia see this? A hostile regime, China, the Iranian mullahs. Uh, well, I would argue that they probably do, and. You know, the media that had protected him throughout the whole campaign in in many ways did the country such a disservice by doing so, Mark. Well, yeah. You know, I give Donald Trump credit for something else. Every president ages in office. They look so much older at the end. Donald Trump actually looked younger yesterday after four years. And, you know, aging in office. I don't know how Biden's going to do that. He'll look like a mummy when he comes out. I mean... <laughs> I don't think this story is going away. And I mean, now we're just doing the weekly Biden blunders. I, you know, is it going to be daily Biden blunders? I'll be running a segment on TV every night. But all right, Miranda, thank you. Mark Simone, thank you. Your calls. And we're going to play some highlights of the president at CPAC this weekend. Conservatism is not hard to understand. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Now, what do I keep saying? conservatism and the president saying this this weekend at CPAC, no, there's not going to be a third party. Reagan saying famously that, well, 80 percent of the time we agree you are not my enemy. OK, got that. The president did go pretty harsh against uh, against those people that, you know, uh, I'm, that just for ridiculous reasons, just hate them. Um, mostly stylistic things. But what's conservatism? First Amendment, Second Amendment. It's about lower taxes, less bureaucracy. It's about constitutionalists on the bench. It's about energy independence, border security. It's free and safe uh, communities, right? Law and order. It's about choice in schools, peace through strength, free and fair trade deals, and not giving pink slips to energy sector workers. Um, This is what he said. Let's play... Uh, a good chunk of the president and CPAC this weekend. Our movement of proud, hardworking American patriots is just getting started. And in the end, we will win. We will win. We've been doing a lot of winning. We're in the middle of a historic struggle for America's future, America's culture, and America's institutions, borders, and most cherished principles. Our security, our prosperity, and our very identity as Americans is at stake, like perhaps at no other time. So no matter how much the Washington establishment and the powerful special interests may want to silence us, let there be no doubt we will be victorious and America will be stronger and greater than ever before. We are gathered this afternoon to talk about the future of our movement, the future of our party, and the future of our beloved country. For the next four years, the brave Republicans in this room will be at the heart of the effort to oppose the radical Democrats, the fake news media, and their toxic cancel culture. Something new to our ears, cancel culture. 
And I want you to know that I am going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. Fake news, no. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. No, we're not interested in that. No, we have tremendous... Uh, Mr. McLaughlin just gave me numbers that nobody's ever heard of before. More popular than anybody. That's all of us. It's all of us. Those are great numbers, and I want to thank you very much. Those are incredible numbers. I came here, and he was giving me 95%, 97%, 92%. <laughs> I said, they're great. And I want to thank everybody in this room and everybody all throughout the country, throughout the world, if you want to really know the truth. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. We will be united and strong like never before. We will save and strengthen America, and we will fight the onslaught of radicalism, socialism, and indeed, it all leads to communism once and for all. That's what it leads to. You'll be hearing more and more about that as we go along, but that's what it leads to. You know that. We all knew that the Biden administration was going to be bad, but none of us even imagined just how bad they would be and how far left they would go. He never talked about this. We would have those wonderful debates. He would never talk about this. We didn't know what the hell he was talking about, actually. <laughs> His campaign was all lies. Talked about energy. I thought, I said, you know, this guy actually, he's okay with energy. He wasn't okay with energy. He wants to put you all out of business. He's not okay with energy. He wants windmills, the windmills. The windmills that don't work when you need them. Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. Already the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. You think about it, right? America last. There's no better example than the new and horrible crisis on our southern border. We did such a good job. It was all worked. Nobody's ever seen anything like we did, and now he wants it all to go to hell. When I left office just six weeks ago, we had created the most secure border in U.S. history. We had built almost 500 miles of great border wall that helped us with these numbers because once it's up, you know, they used to say a wall doesn't work. Well, you know what I've always said? Walls and wheels. Those are two things that will never change. The wall has been amazing. It's been incredible. And little sections of it to complete. They don't want to complete it. They don't want to complete little sections in certain little areas. They don't want to complete, but it's had an impact that nobody would have even believed. It's amazing considering that the Democrats' number one priority was to make sure that the wall would never, ever get built, would never, ever happen, would never get financed. We got it financed. We ended catch and release, ended asylum fraud, and brought illegal crossings to 
historic lows. When illegal aliens trespass across our borders, they were promptly caught, detained, and sent back home. And these were some rough customers, I want to tell you, some rough customers were entering our country. It took the new administration only a few weeks to turn this unprecedented accomplishment into a self-inflicted humanitarian and national security disaster. By recklessly eliminating our border, security measures, controls, all of the things that we put into place, Joe Biden has triggered a massive flood of illegal immigration into our country, the likes of which we have never seen before. They're coming up by the tens of thousands. Perhaps worst of all, Joe Biden's decision to cancel border security has single-handedly launched a youth migrant crisis that is enriching child smugglers, vicious criminal cartels, and some of the most evil people on the planet. You see it every day. Just turn on the news. You'll see it every day. Under my administration, we stopped the child smugglers. We dismantled the criminal cartels. We greatly limited drug and human trafficking to a level that nobody actually thought was possible. And the wall helped us a lot. And we protected vulnerable people. Joe Biden defunded the border wall and stopped all future construction, even on small open sections that just needed to be finished up. Routine little work. It's already been bought. Wait till the contractors get to them and they say, no, it costs us much more money not to finish the small section than if we finished it. That's going to be nice. Wait till you see those bills start pouring in. He revoked the executive order cracking down on deadly sanctuary cities. He has effectively ordered a shutdown of ICE, halting virtually all deportations. Everyone murders everybody. No more. Let's not deport people. And restricting our law enforcement professionals, and they are great professionals. You have many of them represented here today. From conducting almost any immigration enforcement of any kind. The Democrat immigration bill is a globalist corporate. You take a look at the corporatists. Big tech attack on hardworking citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. And Republicans must ensure that it never is allowed to become federal law, which is what they want to do. We must stand tall in the party. We have to do this. We have to stand tall as the party for law-abiding Americans and others when they're in our country. Border security is just one of the many issues on which the new administration has already betrayed the American people. He didn't talk about this stuff. I debated him. He wasn't talking about this. He wasn't what he signed with those executive orders. They weren't things that were discussed. We didn't know all about him and the press because they're fake news. They're the biggest fakers there are. But the press refused to ask the questions. And when I asked the questions on television, on the debate, Chris Wallace in this case and others refused to let him answer. They refused to let him answer the questions. Maybe we could have found something or if the media did its job, which they don't. Their callous indifference to working families is equally clear when it comes to the critical matter of getting America's children back to school. 
And they must get back and get back right now. Right now. Crazy. Terrible. The Biden administration is actually bragging about the classroom education they are providing to migrant children on the border, while at the same time, millions of American children are having their futures destroyed by Joe Biden's anti-science school closures. Think of it. We're educating students on the border, but our own people, the children of our citizens, citizens themselves, are not getting the education that they deserve. There's no reason whatsoever why the vast majority of young Americans should not be back in school immediately. The only reason that most parents do not have that choice is because Joe Biden sold out America's children to the teachers' unions. His position is morally inexcusable. You know that. Joe Biden has shamefully betrayed America's youth, and he is cruelly keeping our children locked in their homes. No reason for it whatsoever. They want to get out. They're cheating the next generations of Americans out of the future that they deserve, and they do deserve this future. They're going to grow up, and they're going to have a scar. It's a scandal of the highest order and one of the most craven acts by any president in our lifetimes. We're in a struggle for the survival of America as we know it. This is a struggle. This is a terrible, terrible, painful struggle. The path ahead will not be easy, but we will win. We are going to win. Ultimately, we always win. And when we do, history will show that this was the moment when we could have given up when we could have despaired, but instead we chose to keep on pushing forward. The greater the challenge and tougher the task, the more determined we must be to pull through to triumph. We have to have triumph. We have to have victory. With the talent and dedication of everyone here today, and you have tremendous, not only dedication, tremendous talent in this room. I know many of you. That is exactly what we will do. We will go on to victory. We will summon the spirit of generations of American patriots before us, like those heroes who crossed the Delaware, conquered the Rockies, stormed the beaches, won the battles, and tamed the unknown frontiers. We will persist, and we will prevail. We're tougher than they are. We're stronger than they are. Together, in the coming years, we will carry forward the torch of American liberty. We will lead the conservative movement and the Republican Party back to a totally conclusive victory. And we've had tremendous victories. Don't ever forget it. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. Who, who, who will that be? I wonder.
Standing before you today, I am supremely confident that for our movement, for our party, and for our country, our brightest days are just ahead. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Great Hannity tonight with tape you won't see anywhere else in the media mob. That I can tell you as it relates to Cuomo and Biden. Uh, Tammy Bruce, Dan Mangino, Geraldo, and Leo, they'll go at it. Also, uh, Steve Miller helped write the speech, craft the speech for the president, gives us the behind the scenes, and much, much more. Say DVR, 9 Eastern, big show tonight, Hannity Fox. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight back here tomorrow. Thank you for being with us. Thank you.